Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 15, which begins with Thor talking about his father and ends with him leading his friends on horseback over the Rainbow Bridge. Joining us on the show today, for, certainly for the last time this week, is Ashley Coffin. Ashley, it's been so great having you. What's been your overall take on the five minutes we've looked at together in such depth? I've loved this. I've I've never really pulled apart a minute of a movie like this. And I remember when you brought it to me, I was like, how are we going to talk for 25 minutes about one minute? And then when I really started doing it, I was like, oh, wow, this this is a great idea. Thank you so much for inviting me along for this week. It's been amazing. No, I'm so glad you've been here. You've really helped me better understand Thor and Loki a lot more uh, in terms of all the different levels in which we appreciate them. And I'm just so glad that you got to be a part of this and be one of our first people here. Uh, so I think it's just been great. And we're going to get into all of that and so much about this wonderful minute in just one moment. Marvel Movie Minute is an independent podcast from True Story FM. We have such a great time producing the show and talking about Marvel and Thor and everything else. It does take time. It does cost money. Without our members, for whom we are eternally grateful, we couldn't keep this going. Membership means we can keep delivering you the great content that we're continuing to deliver without selling your information and interests through podcast advertising sources. We like our privacy, and we know you do as well. If you're already a member, thank you so much. If you're not, please consider becoming a member for the season. It only costs $5 per month, or we offer a discounted price if you join at the annual rate. You'll get bonus episodes, early access to shows, access to live streams, stickers, and more. Plus, you get the comfort of knowing that you are supporting this independent podcast production. Visit truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute to learn more. Thanks. Right, so in this minute, we have one more minute of just everyone talking in the room, at least for the first 30 seconds or so. And I kind of love this because I wonder if you all see this the same way. We've just seen Loki manipulate Thor absolutely brilliantly. And now, in a very different way, we see Thor manipulate all of his friends. You know, it's kind of like there's a, um, a particular video game that I play called Divinity in which you can do a wisdom-based persuasion or you can do a charisma-based persuasion. And I feel like that's what's happened here. Loki just totally played Thor so well. Whereas Thor, you know, all of them have made these very interesting arguments, these powerful arguments. And Thor starts by just appealing to his father and saying, look, my father did this. Sif says it's forbidden. Thor just laughs. And then Thor... <laughs> completely ignores all of their arguments and just says, like, come on, guys, have I ever led you wrong? Like, I take you to great battles. I take you to great food. I'm a great feminist. <laughs> no, okay, you're the real feminist, but I support you. Let's go. <laughs> and you're looking there like he's not said anything to convince them in any way. But it works because you realize he's just that guy who just can get them all riled up and they stop thinking and they're like, yeah. Thor's going to lead us. Let's go. My least favorite line in this entire film is in this scene. Um, Delicacy is mm. so succulent. I never need to hear that again. It bothered <laughs> me the whole time. time. Died again. Yeah. Uh. Especially because well, he's not, that's not a guy who wants delicacies. <laughs> like, that's not a guy who wants petit four. You know, he wants like a big hunk of meat is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it's a strange pitch anyway. It's like, that's 
that's what you use to sell. I mean, I guess it is Volstock, but still, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, what have we done together? I, I brought you such great delicacies. Uh, so you've got to come help me. Yeah, it's like, what? really? That's, that's a sales pitch? But it, I mean, do you think that it is this, another kind of manipulation here that he's just so charismatic and they're just so used to? Like, like to me, this is like, you know, the leader of the group of friends can just say anything and everyone's like later, like, why did we do that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, it's because, yeah, Thor said we should. I guess there we were. <laughs> well, and I mean, I will say one thing that that you uh, didn't say that Thor brings up at the beginning is he says we would just be looking for answers. And so maybe that's kind of why they agree. They say, oh, I mean, he does all this wonderful, like, you know, wordsmithing as far as like why they should come. Mm-hmm. But He's not, at least the way that he pitched it, he's not going there to battle. He's going there to, I mean, he is saying, dad's not calling on the red phone to Jotunheim, so we need to just go and talk to to Laufey and figure that out. So maybe that's uh, part of the reason that the pitch, that his terrible sales pitches to his friends go so well. Especially after they make such good points about why they shouldn't go. Like, if if Odin was exactly. going to kill Thor for going, what is he going to do to you? Yeah, right. right. I I think that's true, though, but I think it's also somewhat of the swept up in the moment thing, because the essence of what Thor is saying there is when he says we're just looking for answers, he's saying, trust me, guys, I'm not going to start a fight. I'm just going to go ask questions. And the level of suspension of disbelief you have to have, like that to me kind of sounds like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to have one drink. I promise. Like, (laughs) sure you are, (laughs) Thor. Okay. We're forgetting that these characters have had history together and we don't get yeah. to experience that as the audience because it's a it's the first thor film so we just have to set it up like they're buying all of this the first time with thor yeah. we haven't had those moments that they've had this big history yeah. through all of thor's life and so we just kind of got to go along with it with them but you're right i mean that's the thing about thor is he is so charismatic that he says these mm-hmm. dumb things and they're like yeah that was you that was a great time and they right. and they're totally swept up into it and that is something, at least, that they keep as a part of Thor. I mean, all the way towards, you know, Rocket Raccoon later being like, wait, wait, wait why, why am I following this guy again? <laughs> like, you can just see that charisma comes off so well. And I think you're right about the history, and especially there. And here it's again, it's why I kind of keep saying Thor is also being manipulative. Just, a, I don't think he even knows he's doing it. But, and we get this even more in the extended scenes. Thor goes to each of them and, like, with the things that they're most proud of, he kind of takes credit for it. You know, you know, Fandol, Fandral, all those maidens who love you, didn't I introduce you to them? Like, Sif, didn't I help, you know, get <laughs> you all that credit? Like, it's a little like, you know. At least uh, she was like, you no, know, you're not, you know, don't you let him take his credit, girl. That's your, you did that. <laughs> yeah, there's a little gaslighting thing happening there, but, you know, in a good-natured way. But he's just very, like, it's that kind of person who's like, I'm going to take credit for all your good things, and I'm going to convince you to have more. Like, just trust me. And I think part of what I, part of why I like it so much is, to me, it helps sense of the fact, and, and Andy, you were kind of saying this, I feel like this has happened before a bunch of times, that he's talked them into doing something very stupid, but it always works out. You know, Thor, when when someone holds Thor's beer, he always makes it work in the end, and that's why they trust him. (laughs) 
Oh, absolutely. And I think they really play with that over the course of the films. Like we always hear these stories about, you know, the Battle of Nornheim. And weren't you the one who did these things, uh, you know, when Thor and Sif are talking? I remember you celebrating the Battle of Hurricane so much that you nearly started a second. Well, the first was so much fun. Like they're always <laughs> having these these great, you know, conversations that, you know, if they had beers in their hand, they'd be toasting every time they said it, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, once again, we just get, I don't even think we get too many like close ups, but just Loki in the background being so perfectly calm. Like his plan is now coming together. You can see it all happening. And he just, he doesn't have to say a word, you know? Yeah. He does, he just keeps throwing out little things that work so well. Like in, in the deleted, uh, scene when he, he turns around all of them like, yes, brother, we're going to go to kind of instigate with the other guys mm-hmm. who we have seen kind of don't trust him. But like all of them are being apprehensive. And, you know, Loki's like, me and you are going to go, brother. Ha, ha, ha. And mm-hmm. that would make them want to go more like, oh, God, well, if he's going, we have to go. and We got to watch right. him. And we're not going to be upstaged by Loki, who doesn't fight usually. But they mm-hmm. and they play that so well, too. Or Loki plays that so well, because in that extended scene, he acts surprised and i love the way that he plays that when thor's like when my brother and i are gonna go yeah and he's just like you want me to go like you know it's just like (laughs) you thought of me okay yeah i'll absolutely go (laughs) well and then so you thought that he's faking there oh he always figured he'd go yeah i i figured he thought he would okay the the fake smile when he turns around and he's just illuminated in this gold he's like me Mm. of course i'll go it doesn't it looks very like okay I think I was, I think you're probably right as you say that. I think I was thinking it more in terms of the mythology because one thing that happens again and again in the mythology is Loki is smart, but he's almost too smart for his own good. It's not that he has like all the step. What often happen is he'll set up a plan and it'll work too well and now he'll get in even more trouble. That's true too. And so like, from the mythology, Loki, the idea of him setting this all up without ever thinking he'd have to go along as well, very much fit. So I think you can kind of read it both ways, but you might be right. The, smi- the smile of especially. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you because of another part in this minute from the extended things. Mm-hmm. He probably, oh my God, I'm seeing this completely differently now. <laughs> he probably didn't expect to go. And that's when, when they're all getting on the horse, he's whispering something to that guard, yeah. which, you know, I, I've seen the movie, I know what it is, but we're not going to talk about it. Um, he's telling somebody something and it looks like, you know, like, oh, well, what are you, why would you be telling somebody something? Right. But it was probably his fa- sa- like fail safe. Yeah, right, right. That's and that's actually a good point. And actually, yeah, now that you've said all that, I kind of, uh, I think I flip flopped too. And I think that it it makes sense for Loki to be surprised, like, oh, Thor wants me to go, <laughs> huh? Okay, you want me to go, brother? Yeah, but I, but I love the way he plays it. Then you know, he's, I mean, mm-hmm. and then again, that just that speaks to the craftiness and the quickness that he uh, that mm-hmm. he kind of yeah. That's formulates. what I was going to say exactly what you said because right then and there, before he turned around, he already had played exactly how he was going to mm-hmm. say this to Thor. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. rabble rise, we're going. <laughs> Who's coming? Yeah, we're going to Jotunheim and and, and so in rally. We mentioned it briefly, but I just want to kind of call attention to it again. As little of of Sif as we get, I do think this one moment is her best in the movie. It's just such a great, like, you know, because everyone else is kind of like, yes, Thor, it was you. And there he just, he goes a little further. Because when he's like, who who told everyone that a woman could do this? And she's like, Thor, I did, you know? And she she looks incredible. She looks so beautiful in that moment. And there's just, there's like cockiness to the way she Mm kind of like tilts her head and like, it's like, I, I did, you know? 
I, I just love that moment for her so much. It, it makes me like moments like that with her and this character make me wish that we had more of her over the course of the uh, the films yeah. up to this point. Yeah. I do wonder if they were had a little bit of a, a, a problem of because the whole point of the movie is supposed to establish, among other things, this incredible love between him and Jane. And I, as we get to in later moments, I, I, I think Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth are both fantastic actors. I don't think they have great chemistry together. And to some extent, especially because in the mythology, he is married to Sif. Mm-hmm. Since they sort of established Sif as the one who's always kind of like... They don't do much, but she kind of has some pining looks after him. I kind of wonder if maybe they had to kind of dial her down somewhat so that you're not sitting there going like, why do you care about Jane when Sif is right Mm -hmm. there? So you wouldn't be mad at him for it, too. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. This could have been a love triangle of the kind I just hate so much in fiction. I'm glad they didn't really do that at all. Is it is it the second film where we have a little bit more? I feel like it's dark. uh the the dark world where there's a little bit more between uh Frigga and Sif when he brings Jane to Asgard and and Frigga kind of case, like yeah, yeah I think I think it's when he's moping around at the party in the beginning yeah and then yeah. uh right. he leaves and she's like oh sorry girl I know right yeah. keep trying <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely definitely all right so I just I just have to say before we get out of this scene. There's that shot of Volstagg. I mean, we've seen him, you know, he's got his you know, board of oh, yeah, cheeses the, and bread. The bricks. best pepper we've ever seen. I'm like, what is this? And like, who flourishes like their, their I don't know, his pepper or Parmesan or like whatever he's doing. But it's something that he's like doing in the most flourishy way as over the top of this giant dagwood that he's pretty much built out of, I'm assuming, just cheese and bread. And then throws it over his shoulder. It's, it's the strangest little moment that Very we odd. have here. But again, it speaks yeah. to Volstagg. It also speaks to like why perhaps it is a good thing that we have uh, not as much Less of them. Of, yeah. Yeah. Although good I point. have to admit, I, as someone who does enjoy over seasoning my food quite a bit, I now, <laughs> the next time I'm taking a little pinch of cayenne or something, I might do a, ooh, <laughs> Just kind of throw it over your shoulder. <laughs> exactly. All right. So then we do kind of come to an end of all this dialogue and we get just 20 seconds, not a word is spoken of just our friends like gloriously riding out to battle. And in some ways, like, even though it seems weird that it convinces them, I do. I think it's a great way of shooting it that we never get anything of them being like, okay, we'll, we'll do it. It's just my friends were doing it. Thor presents it in that way where there's just no doubt. And then we immediately cut to them riding out. Uh, and, and beautiful shots, too. I mean, I love the CG oh, here, beautiful. that overhead shot where we're over. The, I mean, we've seen those giant, giant statues uh, throughout Asgard as we, when we first came in. And now we see them leaving on a, a similar sort of road that has, again, it's lined with these statues. And But we're coming, like, we're looking down, and, and it's a God's eye view shot, looking straight down as we fly over the top of one of these statues, looking at them riding on their horses across uh, the road, which eventually turns into the Rainbow Bridge. It's, I mean, it's stunning. Yeah, just beautiful the way that they designed all of this. And I think this is the first time where we really see like the Rainbow Bridge just like as a firm thing, right? Not like as yeah. like a shooting light across the sky, but here it just looks like it's part of the architecture. Well, and in the yeah, comics, cool. it looks like a rainbow. Like they're really yeah. on a rainbow. It's a little, yeah. uh, I mean, it feels very much kind of like the 60s hippie era that they were kind of going with when they were coming up. With- they crystallized it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does also have a moment that feels where, again, like these people are about the flourish because if I'm riding into a land of ice and snow and darkness, horses are not the first thing I think of, you know? Like, I don't 
have any understanding of why they needed to get on horses, except that the five of that six of them on horses looks incredible. Well, it's the fastest way to get across the bridge. It takes too long to walk. Mm-hmm. That's don't they leave the horses there? Well, I, but I was wondering, uh, we don't we don't see any ships of any kind in Asgard. We will in later movies. But I was wondering, like, why don't they hop in a ship of some sort and just like, you know, you know, fly along the Rainbow Bridge? I don't know if they can or if like when you're transporting through the Bifrost, can a ship go through the Bifrost? I, maybe not. Mm, yeah, maybe that's why they have is. to do horses. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe this isn't actually the Bifrost itself. It's just kind of like a physical thing that was built as the lead as the ramp up to the Bifrost. You know, and that's why it looks different. And yeah, who knows? If I had my choice, I would always cho- choose a horse. That's fair. I would always choose to ride the horse. <laughs> that's fair. It's a good <laughs> Across way to make... the Rainbow Bridge, come on! <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I was riding around the streets of Philadelphia just yesterday, and uh, yeah, the, the horses would be better on some of those cobblestones and cars, so I can understand <laughs> that. Uh, Andy, there's kind of an awesome musical cue right about the 50th second. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Well, it's, I mean, at this particular point in the score, it, it hits that main theme we have for Thor, which is just such a beautiful theme that Patrick Doyle uh, came up with. But what I find so interesting here is if you listen in this particular moment, um, under the main theme, you hear a lot of notes, kind of electronic score kind of moving up and down. And I cannot help but think that Mark Mothersbaugh, when he dis- when he was hired to do Thor Ragnarok, that he latched onto that particular element of Patrick Doyle's score, because that sounds so much like what he brings to the foreground in the Thor Ragnarok score. So it's a, it's an interesting element that I'm like, oh, look at that. It's, it's kind of leading into that. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. I agree with like, when you pointed that out, you hear it. It's loud and clear. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, it really fits the like, I feel like we have the same effect that all the Warriors 3 and Sif did, you know, of I'm now kind of like forgetting all of the like reasons why this is a terrible idea. And I'm just like, yes, Thor's leading us. Let's go. Let's do this. You know, <laughs> it's a great em. way of giving us that feeling. Um, now, we do get also a moment of both Thor and Loki's hair blowing gloriously in the breeze that actually I think is our, uh, someone who professionally works with hair and has a lot of thoughts on this in movies. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that moment, your, uh, your thoughts both from the, <laughs> the thirst and the professional hairstyle. I'll, I'll keep it quick. What you can see is the differences of using real hair versus a wig. Like when Thor gets up on the horse, his hair doesn't move at all. When Loki gets on the horse, you have almost like this little Fabio movement, natural movement. It just makes it look more real. It can, it, I don't know. I loved, I loved, uh, Loki's hair in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go for the real. And that's specifically the deleted or the extended scene that we, they don't have, which, um, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting scene. And actually, I, it's really emphasizes how bad Thor's hair is also. Yeah. Maybe that's why they <laughs> cut it, but I honestly, of all the different parts of the deleted scenes we've watched, that whole thing, I'm just, I know, I guess for time they cut it out, but I just thought it was very important to the story. We've right. watched it so many times now, I've kind of like forget which one's actually in. Yeah, the right, movie. right, right. Um, yeah. But it's, it's upsetting that that whole scene of them getting um, their gear and getting on the horse isn't in there. It, Do you see Tom Hiddles or Loki whisper to a guard before they leave? In, in, in the other only one? in the extended edition do we see that? Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah it's pretty. Cause I, I, I still like. I for me, I think I need the power of that. Like, 
Thor says it, and then you cut right to them riding off on horseback. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is something powerful about the coming there. And then they do have a little bit of a conversation about, like, well, we have to be careful of Heimdall. Yeah. And uh, Ragstaff says something that is just some of the worst exposition I've ever heard. As though That's he's... probably why they cut it. That, those lines were terrible. Yeah, Volstagg's line. Uh, well, it all feels very expositional about, it, it's like, this is who Heimdall is. This is who we have to get past. It just, it comes across terrible <laughs> and it also makes it seem like have they never met him before it's it's a strange uh set of expository yeah. lines that i'm really they glad they say cut. it's like you know heimdall yeah Volstag. thank you i got the name wrong again but Volstag. <laughs> that's all right yeah it, uh, i think yeah even even when i've been re- especially because with names like that like i can read it a million times because i'm not hearing it you know because i definitely read some of the comics as well where he, they come up and just you can't it doesn't stick in the head, but so thank you for that. Well, hey, uh, at least we're not having to say the, the name of the royal palace every time we see it. Oh, gosh, yes. I, I can't even remember <laughs> what, what it that? was, but whoo, boy, is that a monster. <laughs> it also, though, does occur to me, and again, I don't know if this is just because this is how things work here, or if this is just, again, the arrogance of Thor and thus his friends. So they're going to do this thing that the all-knowing all-father doesn't want them to do. Would you describe what they do, either in the regular scene or the extended, as stealthy? No. It's yeah, yeah. like they're just gloriously like. What do they say when someone's like, "Are you just got off on a joyride? Like, what are you, what are you doing here?" Like, yeah. Well, and someone's opening the doors for them, right? I, or I don't know. I don't know how the doors work on the on the Rainbow Bridge that uh, that leads to Heimdall's <laughs> observatory. But there are giant, giant golden doors that open mm-hmm. for them that they ride through, and I'm like, okay, are are there? And Harry, our guards who are seeing them coming, I say, "Oh, it's Thor. We got to open it." He's off to another drunken binge on Midgard, or, or or did somebody have to get permission to do that? Like, why why is this just so out in the open? The way that they're making this move, you know, it's very. It, a it may well be that like they're just used to Thor going off to do some dramatic, crazy thing somewhere. But I also like the idea that, you know, it's high tech. There's motion sensors of some kind. You know, you're riding up <laughs> yeah. and the doors just open automatically for you. Well, it is. It is it science. a horse sensor. It, it is <laughs> science so advanced that it seems magical. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so is there anything else in the, especially that extended scene? Like we see them all going up to their weapons and like gathering up their weapons. Kind of interesting uh, uh, counterpoint to the cut we already had of cutting out them, giving up their weapons before. Uh, now they're gathering them back up. Right. Uh, anything interesting, I think, in that extended scene that, that came to your mind? I, I mean, I think that's it. But I, as Ashley already pointed out, the the real interesting thing is that we see that moment where uh, where Loki goes up to one of the Einherjar guards that's just standing there and whispers to him. And also the fact that Hogan sees that. Um, mm-hmm. It's an interesting mm-hmm. element that we have here. So something is happening, we know, uh, but we're not sure. I, you know, I, I find moments like that to be interesting, and it'll be interesting to see as we watch the film moving forward when it's revealed what Loki had been doing. Did we need this information? Right, right. Yeah, and that's one of the things we always kind of wonder. Like, I think it's got to be hard when you're telling a story where, on the one hand, you know, things happen in comic books a lot. This is the first time that in the MCU anyone's ever seen Thor or Loki or Odin. But of course, people, like you said, actually, like very few people are going to walk into the audience without ever hurt having heard of these characters, you know? And mm-hmm. even if just, this is why partially I try to avoid trailers like 
all I can. But even just, you know, you'd never heard of any of them. If you've seen the trailers, you probably knew that Loki is somewhat like the the antagonist, you know, and Thor is kind of the, the himbo, the big and strong and crazy. Mm-hmm. So you always kind of wonder, like, how much when you're telling a story with characters that are totally new to your version of the story, but still there's so much known about them in the audience, like... Maybe, like, it would be impossible to act as the—like, to try to get the audience to be surprised later that Loki was manipulating them, you know? Even visually, look at look at the two characters. Thor is tan and blonde and, you know, like, ah. Mm-hmm. And you have pale, black hair, <laughs> darker clothes Loki. Like, it, yeah. it looks—you see the contrast. It's in front of you before the movie even starts. Mm-hmm. So I feel like cutting out the little tiny bits of treachery that he's kind of doing, I think it, it's counterproductive to the movie because I want— to kind of be yeah. like, what's he doing? What's that guy doing? Like, I, oh, okay. Look how sneaky he is. Because when you get to the big reveal, you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, I totally saw this coming. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's fun to like knowing that there's machinations going on and seeing him biting his tongue. It just makes it so much better, I think. So I think you're very mm-hmm. right there. Does it matter that Hogan had seen it? Like, with that, like, I, it, it strikes me funny that that's pointedly something that we have here, right? Loki goes and talks to the guard. Hogan turns his head to see it, doesn't say anything. They just kind of move forward. Nothing. But it's like, I mean, it's, it's an odd element to actually include if Loki is being treacherous. Again, we, we don't necessarily need it. It's nice to not have it. But now I'm wondering, did Ho- does Hogan say something later about the fact that I saw you talking to that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the impression that I would get, because like I said, like they have to have some kind of a cover story. Yeah. And Loki, they all know that Loki is the one who's good with words. Like, I think there's a later point where before they realize that Loki has turned, where they, they want to convince Loki to help convince Odin to forgive Thor. And so I wonder if maybe the plan, you know, when these five or six go out on a joyride, L- Loki is always the one who comes up with some, you know, crazy story to tell the guards like, oh, yeah, we're uh, there's a there's a, a dragon on Midgard that we're going off to take <laughs> care of, you know, and that they're all just like, oh, yeah, that's that's what Loki does. Yeah. Tell daddy we're going to the mall. You know, like, <laughs> if he asks. <laughs> that's actually a good point, because I feel like that is very true with a lot of uh, siblings that. They they will start learning which is the best sibling to tell the parents that they're doing something, right. you know? So, yeah. And it's funny because you learn that, but what you don't learn is just how much power you've now given that person, yeah. you know? And that you yeah. really have to trust them because if not, oh boy, things could get bad as, as I think we will be talking about next week. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Well, so that's probably a pretty good place to wrap up. Annie, from you, is there any other kind of last little details that we might have missed that you wanted to get into for this minute? No, I, I mean, it's it's an exciting minute and and we're off uh, on our way to Jotunheim. So I'm I'm very excited. Great. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for being a part of this. I guess kind of my um, first, let me just kind of give you a chance. Do you have any of the last things you wanted to say about this minute that you noticed or kind of give us one more comment about uh, Thor and Loki or anything else you're, that that's on your mind here? Yeah, I just, um, I think I was really impressed with the extended scenes. I don't remember watching those. Like, I maybe watched it the first time when I got my Blu-ray player, what, 10 mm-hmm. years ago? Or my Blu-ray. But I really enjoyed, like, getting to see a little bit more of him in that in the first movie. And just getting to really dive into the beginning of this character that, you know, I love so much and have been talking about for so long. It, it's good to go back to the beginning sometimes and just really immerse yourself in what's happening. 
Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm so glad you got to be a, a part of this. And I, as kind of every every day, I've been asking you about a different part of the podcast stuff. And I want to <laughs> close on, um, you know, I've made a couple jokes about you kind of talking about thirst and stuff like that. And I think uh, I actually had you on a superhero ethics podcast to talk about this because on the the MCU cast and on the Strand of Panda stuff, you've been very vocal about the importance of you know being able to name that like there are some very attractive men who are portrayed very attractively, and that's something that you and, and quite women. a lot of people of of all genders, but, but uh, especially a lot of women can, can quite enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you've gotten a lot of, you know some feedback about it and been very kind of outspoken about why that's an important thing to make part of these conversations. And we'd love to hear you kind of uh, speak up, speak about that for a minute or two as we kind of wrap this all up. You know, I've always just been very open and I am who I am and I'm going to say what I want to say. I have a microphone, so you will listen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, a lot of um, it made a lot of uh, men mostly very uncomfortable in a way of saying things like uh, you make me feel bad about how I talk to women or or this. Not, I can't remember exactly, but they were blaming me for making them think about how they treat women badly. And I was like, you know, we doubled down on that. I was like, we're not, you know, you're not going to stop a whole bunch of people who are writing in saying this is helping their mental health to be able to have a community where they can talk about things and be more open. And it, it was just a really interesting experience. We did about two episodes on that, which I definitely recommend uh, checking out on Superhero Ethics because um, we did the one and then we had a follow up one because a lot of people had stuff to say about that to both of us. Yeah. And uh, it was just it was a very interesting you know moment in my little career here. And I'm actually really proud of it. <laughs> I think you should be. I mean, the number of listeners we got, right? in who said, you know, I never thought I was allowed to sort of talk publicly about like, yeah, seeing Chris Hemsworth in a shirt off is a really fun part of a movie. And, and you know, the, the sexiness of it, given how often it's women that are objectified in these movies and that, you know, we get to have some of that from both him and from from Tom Hiddleston and, and things like that. So, yeah, just thank you so much for being a voice to that. And uh, for people, yes, I'm tooting my own horn a bit with a superhero ethics podcast, but <laughs> even just on the MCU cast, definitely check out what Ashley has to say, because I think for me as a non-binary but masculine presenting person, you really helped me kind of have a better understanding of like female gaze and, and the way these things are portrayed. And I think it really brought a lot to how I'm going to see the movie Thor and other movies like it. So actually, <laughs> thank that. you so much for being a part of that. Um, definitely thank check you. that out, fans. Uh, thank you. Andy, thank you so much for being a part of this as well. And to all our listeners, thank check you, out Andy. all of this and have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Bye. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm, and if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Music